You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Honey, I don't know what to do. I just went to the fridge and, oh, please write to yourself. We're, we're out of beer. Well, that's no problem, honey. I was just listening to oneofus.net and they said on there that, uh, apparently there's this company, Oscar Blues Brewing, that makes all kinds of great beers. They were the first people to put craft brew in a can. What? You mean like all those other beers that are now? Those craft beers that they put in a can that I see everywhere? They couldn't have done it first. They did with Dale's Pale Ale. It's so delicious. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's a brewery of theirs right down the street from us. Really? Well, yeah, we live in Austin, right near one of us, Dodnet. I mean, we love them. That's why we're subscribers as well. It's the only way they can keep going. That and, well, Oscar Blues Brewing Company, which is their sponsor. Wow, I feel so much better. this moment as this movie is starting up that I'm like, I'm actually kind of more excited the fact that we're living in such a superhero movie paradise in this day and age. That I know, I'm finally made a, a Marvel movie with white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. <laughs> Shut up. Wait, no, what? <laughs> that we're getting, there's, not only is there an Ant-Man movie, there's two Ant-Man movies and they're like, we're running out of characters to make movies about. Well, they're not. I'm but, yeah. but it's like, did you ever honestly think growing up in the days when they were like, yeah, there's never going to be a really, truly good superhero movie, that they would, they would get to the point, they're like, fuck it, let's do Ant-Man and spend $150 million. Just remember, million. they'll never make an Avengers movie. So <laughs> <laughs> but Ant-Man was supposed to be part of Phase 1. Like, yeah. you know, the original announcement, it was the fourth movie. Well, I'm kind of glad they decided to do things the way they did, because I suspect if they had originally gone with Ant-Man in Phase 1, it would have been uh, Hank Pym. Yeah. And I actually, I, I know Bo's about to Shut jump all over me, mouth. <laughs> but I prefer this version of Ant-Man anyway. So the sort of like pseudo-criminal, like good dad. They've, they've, they've found a workaround for the fact that Hank Pym is just such a problematic character. <laughs> problematic <laughs> with quotes. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, was it you were telling me like the original Hank Pym hitting Janet Van Dyne was actually not even the writer's intent? Yeah. That it was yeah. the artist misinterpreted his right. words? I, and I, I don't it think it way. was me who brought up it. It was probably Randy. Yeah, I read a whole article about that where the writer was just walking it back and says, that's not what I it's intended. Like, oh, wait, whoa. So, I know nothing about Hank Pym being abusive or oh, being yes. a butthead or whatever, <laughs> but in the movie it is made clear that every person he has ever met in his whole life hates him. Except so his, I get the picture. He's a bad guy. Except for his wife. Well, well that his kind wife, of, nobody hated him. Michelle Pfeiffer and is perfect. Nobody hated him until they, the thing in the comics. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe you hit your wife. And he's like, what? She gets hit every day by supervillains. And nobody's like, well, and well we know you're a supervillain. He was responsible for Ultron. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Accidentally. Got a back ass word. And they kind of played that into the Marvel Universe with Tony Stark, or that one keeps reminding him. Yeah, and by the way, you invented Ultron. Uh, Uh, But we are here to review Ant-Man 2 slash Ant-Man and the Wasp. Really glad they titled it that way, for the record. I'm Chris. Kim. Bo. Mike. George. And I think we're all big fans of the Marvel Universe, the MCU. I will say that going into this, I... Definitely felt the way I think a lot of people did, where it was like after the the like pathos and drama of Avengers, I'm kinda like, You want me to slow down and watch a family comedy? 
which is tough. I was all for it. <laughs> I appreciate the palate cleanser. I thought Ant-Man yeah. was actually a good palate cleanser after after Ultron, and I think this, especially with how heavy Infinity War gets, it felt like it was a very good palate cleanser. It's cheaper I, than therapy. I, I gotta say, too, and and I, I went in looking for my palate to be cleansed with this, and it did, although, I, I gotta say, uh, it takes a little while for this to get up on its legs for me. I felt like some of the front end dialogue and exposition was very clunky. Uh, and and it, it, it really isn't until they, they really start bringing out the action that I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm in. Okay, so just to go right into the plot here and get into it as quickly as we can and through it. Uh, this takes place, of course, after Civil War. It's referencing immediately because you're like, why is uh, Paul Rudd, who plays Scott Lang slash Ant-Man, why is he under house arrest? Well, because if you remember, he teamed up with Cap. Oops. Federal government's still not really happy about that. Yeah. And uh, basically, they've got a little thing around his leg. Can't leave his house. Uh, he, um, he's dealing re- regularly with his, uh, his, his shield parole officer. Yes. Well, who's, who's an FBI agent? Who's Jimmy Woo, know. who is an actual canonical shield agent from uh, the, the old 60s agent of shield, uh, comic book series. And, and oh. quite frankly, when this starts, he's like, I just want, I, there's three days till this is over. Like, uh, and I go back to normal life. Uh, you know, as we've seen in the previous movie, he's great friends with both his ex-wife and her husband, who loves him probably more than your average ex-husband. Except for George's case, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're very huggy. Yeah. Um, uh, Bobby Cannavale, who's always welcome in absolutely anything. Absolutely. Uh, Jimmy was played by Randall Park, who's yeah, great. Who's he's great. Fantastic. Um, and he's just like, I just want this to be over. And they're like, you, we know you must be, like, you You know you can't even talk to Hank and Janet. It's like, or not Janet, Hank and uh, Hope. Hope. Uh, he's like, I don't even know where they are, and I'm pretty sure they can't stand me, and I'm done. I don't want to be a superhero. I don't want to be anything. But his daughter's like... The cutest thing that there is. And she's like, I love you no matter what, Daddy. Well, of course, this sense of, uh, of placid famili- familiarity can't last but so long because he has a crazy dream about being inside the quantum realm for that brief period that he was in the, in the first movie. And and the, basically says, I feel like I have a – the dream was so real. I felt like I had a connection with the elder Janet Van Dyne, who was referenced long since lost in the quantum realm, what, 30 years now or something? Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, they, they, you know, they, 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 they do a little flashback so that you can see it, even though they, they tell you how that happens in the first Ant-Man movie. There's a little flashback here to show you, yeah, she's been lost in the, in the quantum realm. And then it's also kind of front-loaded that... Um, uh, the, the, that Hank and, and Hope both have come to the conclusion that... Wow, given the way that the, you know quantum physics works, there's actually a chance that she is still alive in, in the, the quantum world. And we should, hear quantum a lot, we, we should we should yes we should <laughs> we should jokes about that. Yeah. We should break out your old research project, which we never discussed before, and the, that allows us to make a safe entry into the quantum world and go hunt for her. Yeah, the problem is always it's the quantum world; it's endless. So how would you even if you can go in and get back out? How would you even find Be- her? Because quantum, quantum. Quantum, quantum. <laughs> well, I think this quantum movie could have easily slipped into the let's go save the girl mm-hmm. type of movie, but they had all these other side plots going on. There were, I think, two different, maybe even three if you count the FBI, sets of villains coming after Ant-Man and the Wasp, so there was always action well, yeah, going but, on. There was always, like, well, urgency. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's more adversarial than it is necessarily villainous. I, mean, I think there's... Well, okay, I don't really want to get into spoilers, but right. yeah, it's it's definitely adversarial where there's where there's three different people 
all kind of vying against them. Yeah, and, you know, to continue it's on... It's kind of like Mario Kart, except yeah. with more punches and miniaturization. Well, we just, like, like, get... Without spoiling it, because these are people that are in the trailer, you know, we know that... The, and also we mentioned the FBI, you know, we have Walton Goggins, who's playing just well, a shady business guy. Let me, let me just go straight through it with the plot before okay. we get off on yeah. a bunch of tangents. <laughs> please, people, please! I feel like Corey in the old days would be like, Yeah, shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the uh, after credits scene. Oh, for God's sake. Quantum. Uh, uh, so uh, before you know it, he finds himself uh, largely abducted by Hank and Hope. We were like, look, you had that dream, and that happened the exact same time we, for the first time, turned this machine on. It's got to mean something. Uh, he, he ain't yeah. largely. He abducted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. They, they straight up He was roofied in, put in a van. <laughs> and he's, he's put in a position between, like, okay, I've got to make sure that at any given time, if that the FBI or shield is going to come back to my house that I'm there because otherwise I go to prison for 20 years that they in no way know I know I'm involved with this but it's kind of a like yeah. his daughter wants him to go help but the, at the same time he's like if I get caught I'll, I won't see him and the, the caper years. effect is he's literally down to like his last three days if you just stick this out then then we'll take the cuff off and as long as you never never see hope or or Hank again yeah. or have or you know do the shrinky thing or the getting big thing then we're cool. Unfortunately he is one of the few masked superheroes in the Marvel universe so there you go. He's like even when he's out he's like yeah you don't know it's me. But um Along the way, they end up with a lot of, like like we said, three different antagonists, one of which we get the, the wonderful Walton Goggins playing a, well, no shocker, Southern-speaking uh, gentleman <laughs> who's kind of a technology thief guy who they're originally trying to buy tech from, and uh, he makes the mistake of trying to fuck over people with superpowers. And then you have uh, a new character that's introduced from the comics, Ghost, who I was actually very pleased to see. I always thought she was an interesting character, a phasing-type character who has her own kind of pathos-driven storyline that will as well. And you've seen the trailers, you know this, brings in uh, Goliath. There's there's actually a couple of, of very, very choice, deep-cut uh, uh, shout-outs to mm. people that are, that are like, old-school. Oh, got giddy a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're all fun. It did crack me up, and I, I kind of, like, as a, I, I, I love DC, but I've always been more of a Marvel boy. Lawrence Fishburne did an interview who's playing uh, Goliath in here and says, like, yeah, it's fun playing in the DC movies, but... Yeah, I really like Marvel a lot better. I'm so happy. And I was like, yeah, fuck you, DC, suck it! <laughs> Wasn't he reading a comic book in Apocalypse Now? I believe so. Yeah. But, but that was what, back when he was... What comic book was he reading in Apocalypse that, that, that was back when you could still call him Larry. Wasn't Silver yeah. Surfer? I thought everybody uh, referenced yeah, Silver Surfer right. back then. And that's that's the only thing people read. I like the changes to Ghost, though, a lot, though, because my understanding of Ghost was he was just a, an espionage like that just stole corporate secrets and was kind of an asshole... Like who fought Spider Man every now and then? And right, they characters. they did what they do with like B and C yeah. less characters in the MCU. They reinvent them as to fit well into the drama of any given situation they're okay. doing here. And here they've they've uh, gender swapped with actress H- Hannah John Kamen, who's actually the the pretty pretty good uh, show Killjoys. And they're one of the main characters in there. And she, of course, was in Amelia in Game of Thrones. Uh, she was in Ready Player One. Um, and oh, I just thought I They give her, like, the, the sh- like Marvel, ever since people start bitching, your villains aren't interesting enough. They're like, oh, yeah? Okay, we'll fix that. And now every villain has that sort of, like, sympathetic bent where you're like, I get it. I, at the very least, you're like, I'm doing it to do it. They're not doing that anymore. They're like, we understand why you're doing it. Every this. villain is sympathetic, but so far, the last, what, two movies we've seen with uh, Killmonger and then Thanos... They were A-plus sympathetic villains. You understood their struggle. You almost agreed with them. 
ghost, I felt like while we, you could sympathize with her being in physical pain, her motivations and her, her willing to go certain lengths to get to her results were not sympathetic enough for me. So, so you thought her, wait, hold on. Okay, go ahead. You, go. you thought, I'm having trouble. She should have just sat there and died. You thought that. No, 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 Thanos, no, 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 no. What you saying? You thought Thanos, Thanos's <laughs> motivation of like, you know, fuck it, let's just kill yeah. off the universe instead of using so, okay, the infinity stone to create Thanos were both trying to better their people, the universe, whatever. Oh, she was saying, just saving herself. Right. She was self-serving. You know, I, and she was willing to kill as many people as necessary to save herself. Well, within, so, yeah, or at least to kill yeah. if she had to. I, I, I don't think she was like a mass murderer type. Not, she's well, not like they, they did mention... Unlike Thanos or Killmonger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm, I'm just saying that I feel like someone willing to kill multiple people for themselves, a.k.a. one person, I understand is what you're less saying. sympathetic than someone for the greater good. Yeah. I mean, she was trained as an assassin by, by our own government to be, be horrible. In case you guys were worried, because I know a lot of people loved a lot in the first film, yes, Michael Pena is not only back as Luis, uh, uh, Scott Lang's f- former cellmate, a uh, member of his, his crew, but now they actually have kind of formed a, 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 secure, a straight up and legal security company, and he is a much bigger part of this film than he was the first one, and I, in my mind, he gets a lot better and funnier play he got, in this he film. Got a, a small action scene in the first film, and he had a lot of comedy. In this film, he has a lot of action scenes yeah. with a good amount of comedy with as comedy well. But he pulls off the comedy action uh, balance really, really well. And, and he's one of those actors who could do either one. I've seen him do straight drama and be like, oh my god, you're incredible. I've seen him do straight action and be incredible. And he's one of those guys who's often underrated. And he is one of the secret weapons of the Ant-Man films. And here he, they're really playing off with his associates as well, with uh, T.I. Uh, as a member of his crew. And David, uh, uh, what's his name? Dast Malchian, who's one of David those guys Malation. who I think for the first time in his life is playing somebody who is not a villain. Like, every time you see him in anything, he's like a complete serial killer, psychotic type. Uh, and you're like, wow, you get to play a good guy? That must be nice. Michael Pena is also playing the every, like, every man. He just has these little comments where he's, he's close enough to being a superhero where he can kind of say, hey, you know, if y'all want to throw me a suit, you know, that'd be cool. You know, whatever. But I just love those little side comments. Because that's something you would say as a person, hanging out with superheroes. I went to, I went to high school basically with Michael Pena. Like, I I knew people <laughs> like that dude in high school, and that's what makes me love like, him so I much. I know Michael Pena. <laughs> Michael Pena, you are no Michael Pena. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me love that character so much because it's like, I know I know that. I, I know a guy just like that still in Dario to this day. <laughs> but ultimately, this is like a heist movie in which instead of a heist, it's, let's say, Janet Van Dyne from the quantum universe. Like, that's the heist. We gotta find a way to make all the pieces come together. They they figured out how to do it, and either the FBI or Walter Goggin and his thugs or the ghost is, is... Fucking up the program. Yeah, exactly. And watching them having to think on the spot, oh shit, what do we do to counter that? And using shrinking technology in ways that expands on what the last film did. Uh, expands. Yeah, nice. <laughs> or contracts, as she is, the case <laughs> might be. Uh, I love that Janet Van Dyne, once again, she's full on wasp, uh, has like 
the, the the blaster guns that can either just blast or the guns can shrink or 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 enlarge and they, that's they, used they fire to the little pellety bits that's used to great pin particles and I, I will say I really I feel like uh, in a way I can only compare to Incredibles two in the way they do super creative action scenes with like this is the powers what can we do you haven't seen sure. before they do some really creative stuff especially with that you can make stuff shrink or grow real quick like anything around you not just yourself. Um, but you know, I like, I, I, we mentioned Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, as Janet Van Dyne. And I do want to say there's some early scenes in here where they de-age, uh, 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 Michelle Pfeiffer and, uh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. And for the first time ever that I've seen that, I went, I'm not having any uncanny valley about this whatsoever. But then they also de-aged Larry Fishburne. I'm like, okay, well. That, that one a little yeah, bit. That, that one one's a little, a little bit. bit. But the, well, that one they didn't really do much with. They kind of just put a wig on him and yeah, was like, there you go. I mean, I thought the Kurt Russell bit. <laughs> really? No, Kurt Russell did look yeah. really good. I, I thought that Michael Douglas in the first one looked Well, that's good. because you've seen yeah. all of these old Kurt Russell movies. Yes, like, that doesn't really look like Snake Plissken. Well, I've seen a lot of old Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer films, too. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. God damn it, Bo! <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look like China Syndrome. Like, oh, I God. lived through the eighties. <laughs> I did indeed. I just rewatched Scarface, despite my and better instincts. Romancing the, the Stone. The Wasp has a, uh, her introduction scene. <laughs> is she probably gets a? I want to say a five-minute full-on solo fight scene. No, because she's a yeah. mega badass. She's a mega badass, and that's yeah. part of the fun. Well, she's really described they really, as size foo. Like she gets the big size foo fight in this. But, yeah. but before the 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 contemporary Marvel universe like crumpled her up and threw her away, which was one of the stupidest things they ever did. They really set Janet Van Dyne up to be one of the coolest Avengers. Like mm-hmm. she she led the team for a while. She was like right up there with Cap as far as being you know this heavy hitter Avengers team leader and knowing her shit. And unfortunately she's not around in the universe. Yeah. But they did. They're actually doing great stuff with their daughter now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 So it's, it's really cool that they're, they're especially since who knows who the Avengers are going to be in the the next few years. I think they're really setting her up to be a, 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 a team member in this. Room, it, right? it felt like there was a meeting at some point in Marvel. There were like these characters that have been a part of the universe forever, but we've always gone like their power set. We don't, we, it's like no one ever sat down and said, well, what else could they do with these sure. abilities? And about 10 years ago, it felt like someone said, well, I mean, come on. I didn't shrink and grow really fast yeah. and do these things. And they start doing really cool things with the wasp. And they did the same thing with the invisible girl where it was like, Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, she's potentially one of the most well, deadly the, characters in the entire Marvel yeah, universe. They, 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 they were like, <laughs> she know, can make a force shield around your heart. When those characters first debuted, they were basically arm candy for like yeah. the, the, the scientist dude. Shut up, and, Sue. You're a woman. You don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Sue, don't talk to me about dresses. I'm trying to open the negative zone. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> but it felt good watching her be such a strong part of this film and being, yeah, she's like so kick-ass. And they even established in the first one, she's the one who kind of trained Scott to fight. And then you actually get to see her really fight here. Yeah, she's like size foo, as you said, which I like. (laughs) (laughs) Is is done to great effect here. Now, on the other side, like you said, I felt like this took a little while to warm up to it. It was trying, Peyton Reed, who directed this, is better known for not superhero movies. Uh, and at points, this felt like Honey, I Shrunk the Parents to me. There's definitely a, a really strong, like, you know, all the, the, the Marvel Universe tends to, to kind of grab tropes and, and you know, mold the, the comic book narrative around them. And this is very much the family movie franchise. And, uh, you know, 
for for good or bad of of you know what the tropes of that franchise are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, George, you keep looking like you're dying to say something, and I'm like, am I stepping on your lines? No, no, you're fine. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, this kind of reminds me a little bit of Inner Space, and it's got kind of a, a Joe Dante vibe to it. That's a little what bit. it is. That's what uh, it is. With, 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 you know, kind of the, the, the family comedy while still having, you know, like uh, one feet in sci-fi and, and classic kind of 50s sci-fi. And then Peyton Reed was the original director hired to do the Fantastic Four, and the thing he wouldn't budge on is he wanted to set it in the 60s, and make it the classic Fantastic Four, and Fox is like, eh, screw you, and they got Tim Story instead. Mm. So that worked out well. Yeah, yeah right. and he was on the short list for Guardians of the Galaxy, which Oof. ultimately went to James Gunn. So, like, when yeah. Edward Wright fell apart, um, they brought him in for this. So. Yeah, yeah, it still would have been very interesting well, to see Edward Wright's film, version of this, obviously. Yeah. But, but you know, I think overall, this takes where the first film. Uh, let off with, which was, you know, much better than I know I expected it to be. Because of all the directors who've ever stepped into uh, modern MCU director shoes, Peyton Reed was the one I was least confident about doing a great job. And mm-hmm. I thought overall it was pretty good. And I think this one, though, as well, just kind of falls under that pretty good category for me. But let's go to final thoughts. George, why don't you start us off? Um, I like this. I mean, it's definitely more of the same. If you like the first one, you know, it's it's kind of a similar jumping off point from like, you know, if you like Guardians 1, you like Guardians 2, uh, even like with the Deadpool movies, if you liked, even though that's not MCU, uh, if, you, if you like Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2 is kind of a lot of more of the same continuation with the characters. Uh, tonally, it's very similar. I think, you know, having this being developed start to finish by Peyton Reed, it's even more of his his uh, fingerprints on it, which I, I appreciate. Um, you know, it's it's a good time. It's a good palate cleanser. Uh, overall, I would give it uh, seven and a half vicious, vicious seagulls. <laughs> uh, Michael, 100,000 subs. I really, really like this film, but I'm a big fan of the first one as well, because I'm a big fan of the all the side characters in this film. Hank Pym, you know, Hope. Hope's not a side character in this one, mm-hmm. this time around, luckily, because she's so goddamn badass in this film. Uh, um, Paul Rudd has, has some great interactions. He's dealing with the aftermath of Civil War and the aftermath of his, his decisions about not, you know, asking them, hey, what should I do on this sort of thing? As well as just really bad decisions as the film goes on. <laughs> but he he's he's a character that's just likable. Like, you like you just want to hug him sometimes, because you're just like, I know you're trying your best. Just like, I, I'm, I, I'm rooting for you, buddy. I know you keep fucking up, but I'm rooting for you at the end of the day. Uh, there's some great, like, stuff. I, I, I wish they would have used Michelle Pfeiffer a little more, but that's not, you know really that much of an issue because she doesn't appear, really appear until the last chunk of the film. Lawrence Fishburne is having fun in this film, which I do appreciate because I remember him as Perry White and he just looks like he wanted to shoot himself in those DC movies. Yeah, he's all smiling now. Yeah, he yeah, looks he's, like he's having more fun. He's like, this is great. It's like people are <laughs> smiling and, and no one's shooting each other in the face kind of thing. Walton Goggins was he was com- comedic in, in what his role was. He wasn't so much of a threat. It's kind of a throwaway villain, but yeah. one used for humor and for pacing. There's a lot of great jokes that are caused by him, especially that involve Michael Pena's character. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pena, I like him a lot. I kind of wish they used the other two side characters a little more that were part of their crew. Because mm-hmm. um, they were, they were like, very much a team in the first one, those, those three guys. But um, overall, 
I really, really like this film. I think it's as good as the first one, but the first one isn't exactly, like, fantastical, like the thing, thing that, but it was one of my favorite films of the MCU, because it's just fun, and that's what this movie is. It's just straight fun. It's got some great jokes. It takes the piss out of a lot of tropes in the MCU, it's like one of my favorites being the hat thing and the, and the glasses. That was a great joke in that one. <laughs> uh, overall, I would have to give it 8.5 out of 10 magic tricks. What about you, Bo? Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm kind of going to double down on my, my statement that, that this is, this is the, the Marvel family movie, and uh, this is a perfect time for it. We're, we're getting into the hotter months where our, our brains shut down a little bit more. Uh, and we, we want to be in a cold room and watch a popcorn movie, and that's what this is, was for me. It was a Marvel popcorn movie that was a really good palate cleanser after the incredible fucking heaviness of Infinity War. Uh, that said, um, it it hits and misses. I think it hits more than it misses, but there are some things that, you know, I particularly kind of rang a... a you know, tinny tone with me, which were, uh, I, I thought there were some really clunky scripted moments, uh, as far as exposition. And, uh, I also thought sometimes they, they, they make Scott a little too much of the sitcom dad at points. And granted he's surrounded by geniuses, but you know, he's also a fucking engineer. Give, you know, cut him a little more slack. Uh, you know, and he, by the end of the movie, they're, they're making up for that. But, Sometimes I was just like, okay, you know, we, we need to have uh, Paul Rudd stop looking like he's a dog that's going to show a car joke. Uh, <laughs> but other than that... Although he does I, do a lot of car tricks. He does do a lot of car tricks. I absolutely loved uh, Evangeline Lily's Wasp, uh, a character that I've, I've literally been waiting for since the first Avengers movie. This this was worth the wait. She, she was just such a badass in this. I love the character. I can't wait to see what they do with her. Um, uh, you know, I, I thought the ghost was, was, was interesting. What I really like, however, is they're, they're setting up some very interesting stuff with, uh, Janet Van Dyne and, and, you know, the, the, the character that is played by Michelle Pfeiffer, of course. Also, Michelle, you have got to keep rocking that, that silver fox look. The, oh my the God. gray hair is yeah. just working for you. Just saying, uh, by by and large, I, I you know this would be a movie I'd be glad to see on on, on any hot day of the summer. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a solid eight out of ten pim particles, which is probably the same thing that I used for the first one. Probably so, Cam. Oh my God, Cam, what did you think? What are oh your What are your final God. thoughts? So, uh, Ant Man One was a really good movie. It wasn't anything that stood out to me. Um, I'm a big MCU fan. I haven't really read many comics. Um, mainly a, a, you know, a movie person when it comes to Marvel fan, but, uh, Ant-Man didn't stick out to me. Ant-Man 2, I thought, I know a lot of you guys were saying it's a, um, what are you saying, a palate cleanser? I, I thought it was a setup movie, if nothing else, where it, it set up a lot of big, big ideas. Um, a lot of throwaway lines were mentioning things that I think will be important in phase four, I think is the next phase we're on. Phase four? Or three? Is it phase four? Yeah, we're on four now. Yeah, so phase four, I think they were setting up a lot of big ideas, especially about the quantum realm and how maybe that's the next step in um uh, We're going to get a Micronauts movie. Yeah, so that would be fun. <laughs> a Ron's um, Space Night movie. <laughs> Don't joke about that. I would love that. As you might be able to tell from my name and my voice, I am a woman, so I was paying close <laughs> attention to uh, the female characters. Uh, the villain in this movie is only the second female villain. To be in- fair, you could be a Japanese boy. 
So. I'm not a Japanese boy, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> Nor- we let Matt Frank in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so I was paying close attention to um, all the female characters who, uh, they had a, like, three out of four knocked it out of the park for me. Um, Hope, who I did not care for much in the first movie. I don't know if it was the haircut or the stick-up-her-butt attitude, but she definitely pulled it all together for me in the second movie. She had, without a doubt, the best fight scene. She knew exactly what she was doing. Her attitude in this movie, she she dialed it down like a couple notches, but also anything that she did have was completely justifiable since Scott made her a fugitive. Um, so I, you know, I completely related to it in this movie. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, great in everything. She is the first woman to make me confused about my sexuality <laughs> after uh, that Catwoman outfit. Uh, still confused a little bit. Um, Let's hear more about that. We'll talk about that on the Gathering on Let's Saturday. Let's talk about Batman Returns again. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who was the other one? Um, Wait, who? There what? were four women in this, right? Yeah, are you talking about Ghost? No, Ghost I thought was the weakest link. Again, I've already said uh, I like Thanos Dude, more than her. You know, I guess the daughter uh, would be the other one. Well, the daughter was good. She was serviceable. She was, you know, a cute wow. kid. Wow, why do you hate little kids so much? She was like, I always hoped he was going to be the girl from Logan. <laughs> oh, no. I like this girl more than the girl from Logan. The girl from Logan depressed what? me. And I, I didn't speak her language. We weren't on the same wavelength. <laughs> but uh, as far as women goes, heroes, I was loving it. You know, ten stars. Villain, I thought, could have been stronger. And I, But I did like how they flipped... Um, the roles as far as women are usually the weaker need saving people. And while Michelle Pfeiffer did need to be saved somewhat, she, uh, she helped herself a little bit as well. You know, she wasn't completely helpless, which I appreciated. And then the wasp, you know, was running circles around Ant-Man this whole movie. I don't know why they didn't flip the, flip the title wasp card. Wasp Ant-Man, But, right? you know, whatever. I get it. You know, still 2018. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Maybe the third one. Um, either way, uh, this was a great movie. I would take my little sister to see this. I think it's very empowering. I think the jokes were hitting um, eh, 90% of the time. Action scenes were really cool. Oh, and I love the shrinking and um, the shrinking getting big, big effects. They really played with uh, the size way more in this movie than they did in the last one. The last one, they had that cool effect where he got really small and you got to see the world from his point of view. Mm-hmm. This time, uh, they, sh- they showed him being big a lot. Or, like, medium or whatever sizes he was. And they showed a lot of reaction shots to that, which I thought were really, really cool. Um, Because, you know, I'm always about world building. And I thought that's a really interesting uh, thing to see when you're going to go get a bagel, you know, at 8 a.m. in the morning. See, like, a 60-foot-tall man. It's kind of cool visual for me. (laughs) You're Um, always hoping for it. You're like, come on, this is going to be the day. Austin, Texas. I'm waiting for it. Um, Okay. And so I'm going to say... (laughs) Because, again, the villain was just not where I needed it to be. Um, It was probably a 7 out of 10... Wait, 7 quantum stars out of 10 quantum stars. You know, this is one of those movies that I don't really have any specific problems with. I don't think it did anything wrong at all. And I think it does some stuff that's really right. Like, in spe- specifically, the action sequences are really great. Uh, Evangeline Lilly is so terrific. I love that we didn't even mention that Hank Pym is in this a lot more than he was in the last one and actually gets a lot of stuff to do. Uh, and I really love that because Michael Douglas is awesome. Um, but there's just something about the whole thing that feels like a placeholder in the Marvel Universe more than 
anything. I mean, you were saying you felt like it really moved it forward, and I felt the opposite. No, I felt I'm like saying it totally they have, didn't. they have setups where they're they're just dropping little like nuggets for you to kind of be like, huh, I'll keep that in my mind so when they bring it back later. I didn't feel like there was a lot of that. There, I was there like, was at least two or three solid lines where they were like, hey, this is where the next There's definitely is something they do do that occurred to me, though, where I was like, I love that they're starting to movies where they're like, oh, well, we'll just let, you know, we'll put just put these characters out in the wild in case we want to come back to them later, rather than doing what a lot of movies feel like they have to do. Uh, you know, because it's more normal for a movie that's not part of a giant universe to go, we have settled this and we know exactly what happened to them. In Marvel films, you don't have to do that anymore because if somebody's out in the wild, yeah, we'll see them again. They'll come up when they're pertinent. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> love that. Um, but overall, I kind of watched this whole movie going, yes, I'm having a good time. I just don't think I was ever having a great time. Um, and maybe part of that is, like I said, that 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 uh, Avengers PTSD of like, I just want to see what happens next. I'm having a hard time putting up with that. And Martin raised a great point, which was, and we'll do a brief spoiler after I get my rating here, that the after credit scene made this whole movie feel like, wow, how much cooler would this movie have been if it had happened before the Avengers, where you would have just gone, what the fuck just happened? I totally agree with him at that point, because when it happens, it feels more like a wah, wah. <laughs> there are some things I could say that agree with that after, but we'll, we'll save that. But anyway, overall, though, I mean, this is a solid film. I mean, there's nothing about this you're going to go, that was bad. It was just, you know, like I said, I'm kind of waiting on tenterhooks to see what happens next in the bigger picture. And this may have been a palate cleanser, but for me, I'm just like, you just get to it. Uh, I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten times you're reminded that Disney also bought the Hello Kitty license. They did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Surprisingly. Did they buy Pez, too? They just, uh, bought everything. They bought everything. Anyway, so spoiler. You ready? Go, go away. Press stop. Oh, God. Press stop. Press stop on the iPod. The ending scene with them fading into dust, I was like, yeah, okay. And I kind of hate that for an Ant-Man movie, there's a cliffhanger. I'm like, I don't know if I really want a cliffhanger on an Ant-Man movie. I was, I wish they had just kept kind of Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. because they set her up yeah. to have all these but, new but secret powers. But being in the quantum realm, it, it, stuck there, also, I just, is going to be important. It's, it's not a cliffhanger for, oh my god, we're going to have to wait for the next Ant-Man movie that's obviously setting up something that's going to be happening right. in Infinity War. Oh, and we are still in Phase 3, by the way. Yeah, but not until Avengers 4 is it Phase 4. Oh, actually, post-Avengers. Post-Avengers 4. If Wikipedia can be trusted, but yeah. No, it is. Yeah, when y'all said it, I was like, well, yeah, kind of, sort of. Each Avengers film always thought was like the season finale of the phase. In this particular case, Uh, basically, Avengers 4 is Avengers 3 Part 2. I will say, I understand, but first film, Hope having to stick up her butt is because, like, literally, it's a situation where she had to train her manager. Like, this guy gets right. to have the superpowers. <laughs> I have been overqualified to do this job forever, and for some reason my father doesn't trust me, and I'm having to train someone else to do the job that I should I'm have. not saying she didn't have her reasons. I'm saying that, <laughs> yeah. um, that Evangeline Lilly has never been a charismatic actor for me. I didn't like her in Lost. I've never seen she's anything else she's done. So Ant Man and Lost, in Lost. Movies. so I, I just had a low opinion of her going in, and then okay. her being just like a Debbie Downer the whole movie. I was like, eh, I thought she I was don't. better in this than she was in the first one. I Absolutely, like well, yeah, a hundred. I felt like she had a little bit of an arc in, in the first one, but yeah, she stood off very standoffish. But I kind of appreciated it, knowing where she was do coming you, from. Do you guys think now that we know that being in the quantum realm for extended periods of time 
evolves you, as Michelle Pfeiffer says, mm-hmm. that maybe that's why they left Ant-Man in there. Okay, but I will well, say, though, that yeah, I there's was... There's one thing that said that I think I I actually have an idea of why it was said, because there's some set photos and stuff, that, but I don't want to spoil it. It's the spoiler section, it. so... Yeah. Well, I don't like I don't know if... You, well, because there's, there's set photos of Some Ant-Man. Of spoiling other movies. Oh, yeah, in Avengers spoil, 4? Yeah, because what it is is, like, would you mind if I said it kind of thing? All the spoilers. Does anyone mind if he says it? No, go for it. Well, there's, there are set photos of Ant-Man in the Battle of New York. Like and so the the yeah, ending well, I of saw, this film, I saw Hulk, Hulk running his ass through Wakanda. <laughs> and I didn't get that, did I? And so, well, no, like there were like literal set photos of like of of, of Steve Rogers of, of uh, yeah Hank, Steve Rogers yeah. in his Avengers one outfit, yeah, and Ant Man just like being there. And so the 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 fact that they lay down the fact that they're like there's time vortexes in there, so be no, careful with that. That, that moment in the thing where they go, oh yeah, and time vortex. Yeah, just kind of randomly. Like, that was that one drop. It's vortices, like, you assholes. Well, they said vortex. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it felt weird to me, though, that, like, that speech where Michelle Pfeiffer is going, like, yes, there's, uh, it evolves you and changes you, and also, and then later, the time vortices, I was like, but you don't want to make <gasps> Michelle Pfeiffer's the Beyonder. I, yes, I thought for I thought for Confirmed. sure they were going to do a hint that something had possessed her or something in that, or she's changed in a bad way. Because the only thing they do is like, oh yes, and also now I have healing powers. She's Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, really? Because that felt ominous. Huh. To add to the the after credit scene, to agree with you, the fact that it probably would have worked, like at least story wise, better if it was just before Infinity War, is that the last. Because the, the the first after credits is the you know them well, disappearing. Yeah, we're talking about the mid credit scene. There is there's end one credit end credit scene, but it's just a joke. You can miss it. It's in the trailer. The thing, it's yeah. in the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but the thing the thing about that sequence that I really appreciated, other than the fact that the second part of it is a joke, is that is that the beginning of it is you're just seeing a TV with an emergency broadcast, and there's just silence for like a little while, and it's actually really jarring at first. Because, like, knowing what has happened, like, it's just kind of fucking creepy. Because you're like, because at that point, you don't know if there were people in that house to begin with at that point. And then it shows the ant, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. But when they first showed that sequence, I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot that the world's all fucked up right now. (laughs) And I think it would have, I think, like, what you were saying, it would have worked for a a mystery if if it came out before Affinity War. Because you could have just, you could have sat there just going, what the fuck is happening? With a, there's an emergency broadcast. There's nothing. Although, silence if you did all over that, I feel like it would have. I mean, everyone knows Standoffs is going to win anyway in Infinity War to a certain extent. But I feel like that, that would have even more cemented that everyone knows that Thanos is going to wipe out half of humanity. But the like, I, like, temporarily, yeah. But the idea, the idea, or half of the known universe. Right? The thing, the thing was for a lot of people who don't read comics, they didn't know that that's what was going to happen. Like, my friend, of course, he knew. Like, he was obsessed with Thanos. That was the first thing he asked me when I got out of the film. That yeah. kind of thing. Whereas, like, everyone else, like, like they had people, no idea. I, there were so many people I've talked to who were like, I didn't like Avengers because it made me so sad at the end. And I realized that coming from a comic book reader point of view, I was like, yeah, I totally was pretty sure that was going to happen. Yeah. And I was t- really prepared for it. And plus, there's something less pathos-driven about a major character you love dying when their next movie is already on the release schedule. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the guy's talking about it and everything. Yeah. Just just like somebody else could be Black Panther, motherfucker. Yes, yeah, but Black they're Panther. not going to be. We're talking about Black Panther, yes. <laughs> that would be a really weird move on Marvel. All right, can part. I explain the things that I thought were moving uh, going into Facebook? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so um, 
The first thing was when the country, whoever this country guy was, who was a villain, I don't know. Walton Goggins? You yeah, never, sure You never him. watched The Shield? Nah, no. He was All in right. The Shield? Uh, really you have my, an assignment. <laughs> not my bag. No, no, you would love it. Do you have and the DVDs around here? And justify <laughs> what I thought you would have said. Yeah. All right, Walter Goggins, he was like, yeah, man, like nanotech and Wal- robots Walton's and whatever. Out, it's, Walton. it's okay. Bo said it too. Sorry, so we're, we're all kind of fetishy about Walton Goggins here. Sorry, like, I didn't know you guys were. I feel the same about Michelle Pfeiffer. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right, so but he was just like, yeah, nanotech is in the past, and nanotech for us in the Marvel universe is like the hot new thing. It's like you know, it can't be defeated. It can do anything. It's chinky armor. Just oh, yeah, you know, like it come, comes up your whole body. It's okay. It's a phrase. <laughs> People have said that. People have said that. Is it's that a thing? thing? It's, you know, chinks in armor. Chinks in armor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Although we got right. a, I got I a like, sports guy in trouble we, one time. We're not talking shit about Chinese people, are we? This <laughs> sounds horrible. This is an ESPN. No, not, not on this podcast, no. <laughs> but um, and for him to say, oh no, this in the past, my the people I deal with, the the high rollers, they don't even care about that anymore. They want this quantum tech. I feel like that's really cool that. You know, this is, um, and then we see it in action. Well, this the pe- movie, and we, we see don't know the people the he fighting. works for are, so yeah. that raises the question. Well, they can buy their starting price is one billion dollars, right? So you know they're they're high rollers, which exactly. seems financially unfeasible. I, yeah, I, is it they weird? don't know how to haggle. Is it weird that there's a little tiny part of me that wants to find out the guy he's working for is Sam Rockwell? Oh, I absolutely oh, would cool. love, to find, love to find that. Justin Hammer I feel like around. they did not make him work as well as he should have, and he's mm-hmm. fucking, you know, Sam Rockwell. You're like, you're so amazing. Yeah. That yeah. character should have been so much better yeah. than he was. Nothing would please me more than tie something yeah, back to Iron Man 2 in a way that actually made Iron Man 2 even more, like, worthy... Because I am the only person in the world who actually likes Iron Man. Well, I mean, they mention Justin Hammer all the time. Like, they mentioned him in Luke Cage recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those, like, I, he's such a great character in the comics, a villain, and Sam Rockwell is the perfect guy to play him, and it's the only reason I feel like he hasn't come back as Iron Man 2 was one of the Well, he's in, um, one of them more he's in that Chris short. Chris Pratt have to have a dance-off. He's, he's in that short as well with uh, the Mandarin thing. Yes, he is. Yeah, so Which is the only great. time he should have showed up. What, what Blu-ray was that on? Is there a role that... Um, I don't remember, actually. Iron Man 3. Is it on Iron Man 3? Every number two Marvel MCU film has to have something to do with family. What did Wonder Soldier have family-wise? Well, Bucky, uh, Bucky's, Bucky's like his family. 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 That's true. Family. That's yeah. true. Bucky's his only it's little... Flash's love interest. <laughs> yeah. And they actually do do a thing as well with him coming forward and seeing like like his his ex-lady who's old and shit. Oh, and, and, oh, and, then, yeah. and then you also have... Uh, yeah. Uh, his his mom was the villain. The person that he never that he never got uh, to Shut dance up. with. <laughs> her uh, descendant. That? Is it granddaughter? It's her niece. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Robert Redford was Captain America's mom. No, so, shush. I think I think the quantum stuff's going to come into uh, play big time in the Phase Four, and then I also think getting mutant abilities. I'm just going to say it. Trademark uh, yeah, Fox. Yeah, but not anymore. Yeah, now they can use it. So now well, I think they're going to like drop in the quantum war thing. Between no, they accepted. They're accepting. They're going to find yeah. ways. Yeah, they're paying to, like, like way give more people than mutant abilities now. I think yeah. seventy-one yeah. billion dollars. No, I thought it was like eighty-four. Eighty-four million or billion? Billion. Million? Are you kidding me? I well, that's right. The original bill was 65, Comcast drove it up to 70, 71 and was then 71.3 was their counter. Oh, I thought so it ended up being 84. Did it even more? I they accepted it the bid either way. It went up 0.3 billion. 
That's it. That's well, they, they changed they changed yeah. the the payoff. No, from the original bid, six point three billion. So if only thing Comcast slash Universal, you know, is trying to do is make Disney spend six billion more dollars. So well, they, we may be changing the, change the, the beginning too, of a dystopian yeah. corporate future, but yeah. on the plus side, we'll finally get to see the X Men be part of the bigger Marvel universe. I'm cool with this. <laughs> I for one welcome our mouse overlord. 